We're in this sermon series, and we're going to be sitting in this sermon series, Epic Fails, for a handful of weeks. We're going to look at numerous people from the Bible, and we're going to look at how, on their own, they mess stuff up. And that's a common denominator amongst us all. We know that we fall short. We know that we are not perfect. We know that we sin. We also know that God's grace is real. We also know that God is love. And we also know that his truth can set us free. We're all walking through different seasons in our lives, and I believe every single one of these messages will speak to each of us. So the first thing I want to talk about this morning is this. It can be epic when we mess up. Romans 6.23 just says this, for the wages of sin is death. There's no real middle ground in that. So at times when we mess up, it can be epic. It can look like extreme failure. While we go through this sermon series, we're going to see things like lying, murder, sexual immorality, disobedience, but these are just a few of the things that we'll look at as we look at these prominent people from the Bible. They were people who made epic failures in their moments of weakness. So it can be epic when we mess up. I have found myself in seasons of my life where I have messed up, and epic was the word that was appropriate. And I have found in every season, that God's grace is more epic, that God's forgiveness is more epic, that God's plan is bigger than any failure any of us could experience. But the truth is, we can put ourselves in positions where there can be consequences. And this first chunk of 623 just makes it clear. Wages of sin is death. I believe we can experience that death here on earth spiritually, but I also believe the Word tells us that we can experience death when we leave here as we would spend eternity separated from God. And the beautiful thing is, is God's desire is not for us to experience any death here, and it's not for us to experience any death when we leave this place. Instead, His desire is this. It's epic when God rescues us. So let's look at Romans 6.23 again. So we do see the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at Colossians 1.13 and 14. Do you remember this from a few weeks ago? God rescued us from the dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of, his, of the Son He loves so much. The Son who got us out of the pit we were in got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. I think one of the lies I have bought into in my life way too much is that the stuff that I've done in my past and the different things that have happened to me are just on repeat. Like they're in my phone and I put it on, I put the Bluetooth on on my way over here and it's just repeat. Repeat. This is who you are. This is what you've done. This is how you've messed up. This is all you'll ever be. And I have to tell you, as we begin this sermon series, I'm doing something that I lived out over the last couple years, which is this. A few years ago, 
There's all kinds of uh, shifting within the body of God, within our community. And I got ticked. I mean, mad. And because of that anger, there was a lot of stuff revealed in my heart. It showed a lot of pride. It showed a lot of stuff from my past that I was still living out and all kinds of things. And this is what I had to do. I had to say, God, I don't feel this in my heart yet, but I know your truth says I am not supposed to think this way. So I started thinking a different way about those scenarios, and I kid you not, my head and my heart finally met. And what I knew was truth that my mind needed to be transformed with eventually also softened my heart renewed my heart, and allowed me not just to know it, but to experience it and feel it. And today, I know I have to do the same thing with some of the situations in my life, some of the sin that I've committed, that I think I can never get beyond this. Some of the things that have happened in my past where I think I can never get beyond this. And I'm reminded by the enemy all the time, some of the things that have happened in my life, other people have done, I have done some of just the mess and the epic junk. I am not buying into the lie anymore. That's where I have to stay stuck for the rest of my life. I'm not doing it. But I'll be real honest with you, I don't feel it here yet. But I know it here. And because I have experience in something powerful being changed within my heart and my mind, if I don't start to walk that path, then I buy into the lie of the enemy that the only thing I get to live out is the epic failure of life rather than live in the epic grace of God's love that he rescued me with when I was even way more messed up than I am as I stand before you today. When I look back, to the night God saved my life, if I was God, I'd be like, Josh, you're doing great. Josh looks in the mirror and says, Josh, you stink. God would say, man, remember where you were on that couch? Remember how it felt when you were just like, if you save me and that means I'll spend eternity with you, take me now. I wouldn't pray that prayer today because I believe that there is more. I I'm desiring and making a decision to truly see myself through the lens of God when it comes to my past and my past sin. And I'm done believing that those cycles have to repeat over and over. And I anticipate walking through that journey with you, especially as my head starts to transform my heart. And it is in my head. Truly, every time I get up here to preach, I put on the helmet of salvation. That is the free gift of God's grace, and that is truth, which means God gives me grace for the unhealthy patterns I've lived with for too long, and he gives me truth so that those patterns can be changed, they can be renewed, and they can be put to rest for good. And that's my desire for each of us today. I know this, most of us live in this unhealthy place where the epic failures of our lives outweigh the epic grace of God's rescuing. And I 
believe we will smell better to the world if we can quit beating ourselves up and live in God's freedom. So whatever alleys, whatever dead ends, whatever dark places, whatever your pit has looked like, if you know Jesus as your Savior, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, if you called upon the name of the Lord, then we are his adopted kids, and he doesn't remember any of that anymore. And I want to start to have my mind transformed with that truth. So even if I'm reminded of it, I can just celebrate God's grace rather than beat myself up. What are your alleys? What are your dead ends? What are your dungeons? What are the things in your life, in the life of your family, in the life of even our community? What are the epic failures that we see around us that we buy into the lies that that's how it always has to be? Let's believe, even if we don't feel it, that the truth can transform our minds and renew our hearts. So we'll remind ourselves every Sunday of this series about the epic failures that can take place, and we'll look at people in the Bible and some of those failures, and we'll be able to relate to some. We won't be able to relate to others, but what we can do is this. We can know that even though the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is bigger and better and what can play out in our lives. There are many men and women of God who had epic fails along the way of their journey. And the beautiful thing is their stories did not end when their failure happened. Instead, they were redeemed, grew through the trials, and were used in incredible ways. We are not doomed to repeat the past. God loves us so much that he'll rescue us from those alleys, from those dungeons, and bring us into the light for his purposes. The story of these men and women don't show us how bad it can be. Instead, they show us how our story can illuminate the past and the mistakes, not so we have to continue to live in them, but so we can be free. We're all on a journey. We all have a past. But the bigger thing is, is we all have a future. Let's look at the call of this gentleman in the Bible named Abraham. And what you'll find is, as we walk through this series, we're going to move from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. Genesis 12, 1 through 3 says this, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. We will see at the end of today's message that Abraham is a man who is credited with incredible faith and revered for his place in the story of God. Even so, he was a man who made mistakes. When you look at the scripture that just went across the screen, you would say, that is a promise. If that was me, if God was saying, you will be blessed. I will give you a land if you have the courage to leave this place and go to where I lead you, even if I don't know where that is. I'll make you famous. You'll be a blessing to others. And don't worry, because those who bless you will be blessed. Those who curse you, <laughs> I got them. So go and live out this call. 
Most of us would be like, I could do that. But Abram, Abraham, didn't. He struggled. He had some epic failures. But initially, his call from God was those things. And I believe we can look at this call that Abram had and say when God offers us his grace, he says the same things to us. I'll bless you. I'll take care of you. I'll protect you. Now, we can think of the word famous and how we understand it in our culture, but what if fame is like being reminded by my Facebook like I was a few days ago of one morning I was sitting in 392 and this young lady sat at a table right next to me and God's like, go pray with her. And I said, last time I checked, she's a kid. That would be weird. I'm not going to do it. And God said, go pray with her. And I said, that's weird. It's going to be really weird for her. And God said, go pray with her. So I did, and we prayed for her finals. And then later in the day, she made a Facebook post about how that encounter really encouraged her that day. Now, was that on the TV? Was that in a newspaper? Or was that anywhere that we would think that we would be famous? No. But in that relational moment, God's fame was on display. And that girl said, I had no idea what was happening, but it was an incredible moment that it carried me through my day. That is the famous we're talking about. The fame is this, that God's goodness is on display in our lives. And because of that, and how we're being transformed, fame looks like being a blessing to others. And then just the promise, I'll take care of you, I'll take care of your family. We would all be like, here we go, straightforward, 100%. But sometimes, some things happen. What happens when our bellies get hungry? Follow this on the screen. At the time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a, straight, a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you're my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarai was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her, sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get her out of here. Pharaoh ordered his men to escort them, and he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all of his possessions. How in the world, in seven verses, do we go from this incredible blessing to being fearful because you're hungry and there's a famine, leaving the place you were called to, 
And then making a decision, hey, let's lie about who you really are. Knowing full well that your wife is beautiful, Pharaoh is going to want her, and because you personally are concerned about your own safety and about your own stuff, listen, they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. When we get hungry, when sin starts to entice us, we may even look at the most important people in our lives and say, I really don't care about you. really don't care about your life. I'm more concerned with my life being spared. I'm more concerned with me being treated well. And I'm more concerned that we can manipulate who you are so that I'm safe. Ladies, what would you think if a guy talked to you like that? For real. Hey, by the way, we're going to lie about who you are, which means you're going to go be someone else's wife. And I'm doing that because I want to be safe, and because I want my interests to be protected. We'd all be like, you are a scumbag. But that's what they do. Pharaoh has no idea what's happening. As a matter of fact, he's pretty excited. Since this is your sister, let me give you a whole bunch of stuff. Everything he needed to survive what? The famine. But then God sends curses. He sends curses to Pharaoh, who is actually one of those people in the blessing and in the call that God gave to Abraham, he's one of the people that God would have said, I will curse them because they curse you. Wait a second. God says, even though you're in the midst of a big fat lie, I'm still going to bless you? Yep. I'm still going to hold my end of your call? Yep. And because of his curse, and because of the curses, Sarai is given back and if you notice, was there a deal made? I'll give your wife back if you give me all my stuff back? Nope. It was, they need to get out of here. Here she is, and tell them to get all the stuff that I gave them and get out of here. So Abraham screws it all up. We would think God would say, oh, let me teach you a lesson by holding back, because that's sometimes the stuff we wrestle with, that if we mess up, God's holding back. But we see someone messing up big time, God not holding back, and actually God's deliverance, sending them both out of a country where if Pharaoh wanted to, he could have killed them both. And it would have been okay, because they broke the law. Now listen, lots of times when we think about being hungry, we just think about food. But when we think about the Beatitudes, we know that they say we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And if we will, we'll find ourselves in a place of being content. So when our bellies get hungry, that's a time where we may succumb to the epic lies of the enemy. We may succumb to the epic reminders of our past. We may succumb to the epic fear, the epic anxiety of where we may find ourselves. 
may be wondering even how our basic needs will be met because that's why Abram ran in the first place because a famine was coming to Canaan, which is where God blesses his people. Have we ever done that? Have we ever found ourselves in places of fear, in places of anxiety, of places where maybe we've heard a promise from God? It's not being fulfilled. He seems to be silent. And in the midst of our waiting, we just do things. We're hungering for God to take care of us, but because we don't see it in front of our eyes, we start to fill ourselves with other things. So here's the deal, that's epic failure. When our bellies are hungry and we fill it with stuff that does not honor, honor God, it's epic failure. But the hope of this moment right here is that even when we're in the midst of part of our story and it is failure, that God's promises don't change. Can you believe that? Because our brains don't work that way, do they? Our earthly brains do not get that we could be messing up and God is still working. That we could be falling short and God is still protecting. That we could be sinning, yet God is still working out his plan. That is great hope in the midst of maybe filling our lives, our bellies, with stuff that does not honor God when we get hungry. Maybe you can relate to this one. Maybe sometimes there's just stuff going on in your life, and the statement you would make would be, when we just can't wait. You ever get impatient? Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me <laughs> from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have a child through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as his wife. This happened 10 years after Abram settled in the land of Canaan. So even 10 years later, Abram and his wife are still trying to figure out things on their own. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar. She became pregnant. But when Hagar was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. What? Wait a second. Didn't you tell me to go do it? I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. And Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. 
This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all of his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Beer Lahai Roy, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Barak. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abraham named Ishmael. Uh, named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. There's a lot there. So continue with me. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hardest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you, do as you have said. So Abram ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three measures of your best flour, knead it into dough and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servant who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and roasted meat and he served it to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is Sarah, your wife, the visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. Couple longer sets of scripture that show us what can happen when we just can't wait. God had promised Abraham over and over the call that was on his life would be fulfilled. When his belly got hungry, he made epic failures. When he says, God is telling me people are going to be blessed through me, how could that even happen when I can't even have a kid? So his wife says, eh, let's do it this way. Okay. And then things don't go real well, do they? And by the time they're ready to have a conversation about it, it gets all twisted and turned. As a matter of fact, the servant finds herself in a very difficult place. So Abraham does have a son, 86 years old, Ishmael. And we see what God says about his life. That doesn't look like a very fun life. 
that looks like sometimes our epic failure can even impact other people. And then, because they couldn't wait, they find themselves in this place where I'm sure trust has been broken, wondering if that call would be fulfilled. And then, all of a sudden, these three people show up, and they start talking all kinds of crazy stuff, don't they? Guess what? Next year, we'll come back, and your wife will have a son. She starts laughing to herself, which means I don't think that was out loud. And then it goes from these three guys to God speaking. And God tells Abraham, I'll be back in a year, and you'll have a son. And then God has an encounter with Sarah and says, why did you laugh? And she says, I didn't, because she knows this. No one would have heard me. So it can't be that big of a deal. And God said, no, you did laugh. See, we can fail when our bellies are hungry, and we can fail when we cannot wait for God's call and his promises to happen in our lives. Sometimes, I know God has had a call on my life, on my wife's life, and on our family's life, and we've spoke about those things, and because we've come in agreement in that moment, we expect them to happen by pushing that, like, easy button. Bing! Or we think if we hit the easy button, then all this stuff is just going to happen. Bang! And sometimes we'll even get little warnings and We'll sense maybe God saying, not yet. And man, we've made choices just to plow forward. And those things have looked like what God had called us into. And even in the midst of plowing through, we saw God work in some cool ways. But ultimately, just like I believe would be happening in this moment with Abraham and Sarah, there wasn't much peace in that scenario because we had gotten ahead of God. Now, this is the beautiful thing. When grace emerges in a situation and you start to have the truth prevail in those situations, you can then look at each other, you can look at your family, you can look at those you're doing life with, and you can say, even though we got ahead of ourselves... We're still pursuing what God has called us into. So if we learn we've got ahead of ourselves and we stop, we will still see God's faithfulness in the midst of getting ahead of him. We will have things to learn and to grow in, but we'll realize it looked enough like God that his grace still is sufficient. We've done that as a church. We always knew we weren't going to unload that stupid trailer for the next 50 years. <laughs> so immediately what we do, we start looking at buildings. And then we look at a different building. And then we look at a different building. And sometimes those scenarios were so close, like, that's going to be a yes. And then, nope, it's going to be a yes. Nope, going to be a yes. Nope. And then just because you're mad, fine, God, I'm done looking at buildings. And he said, good. I didn't know he was saying good. I was just being a baby. But in my head, I knew that's what God said. So without even believing it, 
to say that to our leadership. We have to stop looking at buildings. And then just like four days later, God opens this door. Now, if I think God just keeps holding out, when he say, ah, oh, how about you learn for the four years you look for a building, and then I'll do something. Nope, God's grace says, once you finally hear again, look, four days, bang, that's how I work. That's my goodness. That's my provision. That's who I am. And when you think about that is what is supposed to encourage us in our faith. So if you found yourselves getting ahead of God individually as a married couple, as a family, even as a church, even if we can relate to these stories, I want to promise you God's grace is always at work. A couple more sets of scripture and we'll finish up for today. Genesis 15. Sometime later the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and he said to him, don't be afraid Abram for I'll protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, oh sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so, no, uh, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. The call... Abraham had, Abraham had, was once again affirmed by God. And I love that even through his wrestling, and even to know he's going to make more mistakes before he gets there, God still is willing to have the conversation with him. God's still willing to work it out with him. God's willing to say, I will wrestle through the hard things with you, with your questions, with your doubts. I will even wrestle through life with you when the epic failures happen. And I won't stop calling you my child. And I won't stop helping the purpose I have for you unfold in your life. And I will call to you to trust me and not be under the condemnation that your epic failures have brought to your mind and you'll be set free. Genesis 21, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 11, 11 100 years old when Isaac, he's like, I wish... I wouldn't have to go through all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, when Isaac was born and Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Isn't that funny? God even redeems the moment where she laughed to herself and said, this just can't happen. And then she says, you know what? I'm going to let that piece of my story that could be looked at as an epic failure be part of the story that shows people God's faithfulness and God's goodness. God kept his word. And from that moment, the nation of Israel emerges. And his descendants start to be numbered. We know through our last sermon series that then the gospel that was for the Jews was then given to the Gentiles. And then even 
Abraham's descendants have grown. And when you think about the fact that God says, look at the stars, can you count them? Because if you can, that's what it's going to look like. So when we think about anyone who has made a decision to follow after this God of grace and truth, they are part of that call. They are part of that promise. We are part of God still fulfilling His word to Abraham. Fourteen years after Ishmael is born, this happens. Look at all the waiting. Look at all the opportunity for doubt, for sin, for epic failure, and God's grace still was at work, and His promise still was fulfilled, and it is being fulfilled right here today. In Hebrews 11, it says this, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached that land, God promised him he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents, And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation With so many people, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. Epic failure, epic grace. It truly is the difference between death and life. We see that even in the midst of Abraham and Sarah's failure, epic failure, God was working every single moment. See, when my head and my heart met over the last few years about certain aspects of my life as a follower of Jesus, I saw that even in the midst of what looked like loss, everyone was a directional arrow to where God was taking me. And now I have to remember, even in other areas of epic failure, I have to take that knowledge of God's faithfulness, the knowledge we've seen in the story of Abraham and Sarah, and we go, God was still working, and he's never, ever, ever held out on me or given up on me. And when the truth sets me free, and when my heart is renewed, I will see how he's been working in every aspect of my life. And it will breathe life into each of us in a whole new way. Two things we all have in common as brothers and sisters, as people who sit in this church today, is we've all had epic failure that could lead us to death. And the other thing we all have in common is we have an epic God who is working in the midst of all that mess. And he 
is bigger than the failure. And let's live in that promise and allow that to change and transform us from the inside out. Let's pray. God, I just know for me personally, this message series cannot come at a better time.